Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 88 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring you-know-who. Hello! Yeah, there's my girl saying hi, person noob. And we're here to do what we do every single week. And that is bring you uh, top two matchups from leagues from anywhere in the world. Uh, This week we're going to do many previews of matches where World Cup berths get decided. Qualification matches from... Uh, tournaments around the world for national teams. If it's important where it's being played, there's a really good chance it's on our radar, and we're going to cover at least a few matches every week that no other podcasts out there are probably doing. Plus, this week, not only do we have an appearance from Noob Stradamus to help us with our little gambling habits, but right here in the very first match partway through, we are going to get an exclusive appearance from the newest newsmaking member of the brand new supporters group in MLS for Austin FC. I just can't wait to get to it anymore. Let's dive right in with match number one. No Friday matches were quite shiny enough to make our cut this particular week. And so we start Saturday. And we do so right here at home pretty much in CONCACAF, specifically Major League Soccer. We are happening to head north of the border as our feature match of the week is being held in Montreal. They're rated number three in the East, Club de Foot Montreal, playing host to number four and in their second year, Austin FC. You can catch this one at 7.30 in the evening Eastern time. A quick reminder for our uh, somewhat newer listeners, perhaps new, but like me, there are two conferences in Major League Soccer. And the top seven from each of those at the end of the season will go on to the playoffs where they will compete for the true title. The winners of each of the two conferences, they will actually get to advance straight through to the quarterfinals. We'll take a look at our host, Montreal, first. Uh, They were founded 29 years ago. They've been in Major League Soccer since 2012. Uh, Internationally, a little bit of success in our Champions League here for CONCACAF. Uh, Their best finish, second place once in 2014-15. And then domestically in 2015, they finished third place in the East. Best they've ever done. And so they're on the verge, at least for the moment, of tying that. But will they be able to maintain? And uh, they are the defending FA Cup champs, which is actually how the Canadian teams get into the CONCACAF Champions League, not through league play since, of course, they're in a different country. Last year, they were nowhere close to sniffing any kind of international play or even playoffs. They finished in 10th place. This year, the offense, well, they're certainly meaning business. They are number one in the entire conference, scoring exactly two goals per match. The defense, though, makes me think that this is a team that is not going to be able to stay afloat, even with potentially uh, getting points here at home. They rank 13th, (laughs) second to last in that 
particular regard. And yet overall, it's good for the number four goal differential. So that key metric could be argued that they will in fact get to stay in the middle of the playoff hunt. Again, if it can be maintained, I'm just a big fan of defense, especially when you've got to go for stretches on the road. As far as that offense goes on the scoring leaderboard is Jordy Mihailovic, attacking midfielder, just 23 years old. But unfortunately, they will not have his services this day. He's out with an ankle injury of some kind until later on this month. And then who knows, uh, he'll probably get to play through the season, but this could be their only or last season to enjoy him. He's had all kinds of European interest. I would say that Leeds United are in the lead, pun intended, currently at the moment over in the Premier League. So who are they going to be most leaning on? Well, statistically for this team, I would say that their next best or most important player is Victor Wanyama. He plays central midfielder for them. He is from Kenya. Uh, He was with Tottenham Hotspur for three years uh, before coming over here. We'll try not to hold that against him too much. 27 uh, 27 national team caps back home in Kenya, and why not? He's a decent passer, a great dribbler in open space. I'm a little bit surprised they don't use him a bit more on uh, the wing, perhaps. And he's uh, aerially very good. Gets lots of headed clearances. Really fun to watch. Uh, Teams current form, they have one, two straight, one here in MLS and one in the Canadian Championship. And now Austin FC. Now, before we get into this, I have been so excited, tweeted about it earlier this week in my handle Soccer Noob USA. We scored an exclusive interview with a member of one of their brand new groups. Now, we didn't get the president of the supporters group or anything like that, but we're noob. We do what we can. We got somebody. So please let me introduce to tell you some of his story, Mr. Beauregard Blue Bonnet of Austin, Texas, or the surrounding area. Now, did you say soccer noob? Wife said when you called last week, it was soccer news. Hey, Alexa, set the reminder to get Althea's hearing aids checked. Alexa, oh, damn it, forgot that only works at home. Well, hello from the stands of Q2 Stadium, home of the Austin FC. Now, I'm a proud 90-year-old and an official member of the club's newest official supporters group, Naked Bongos. In the name of all that is holy, would you please cover up, Razos? Nobody wants to see that stuff. Unfortunately, I had to threaten legal action concerning ageism to get in after my initial attempts to join were kiboshed. I'm the perfect senior citizen rep for the group, too. In my younger days, I was the famous rodeo clown Brazos Bob. I still work out my arms so the ladies can enjoy the gun show. Plus, the scorching sun can't do much more to my old leathery hide than it already has. You know, even a coyote couldn't buy it through this now. Oh, sure, I've got a lot of scars from all those bullhorns and such, but I'm so wrinkly you can't hardly see them. Hey, hey, senor. And I wear boots, yeah, safety first. Necesito pantalones to start a stadio. So why at Naked Bongos at all? Well, Matthew McConaughey, you see, is an owner with the team. The group name and activities are to honor him and how he used to get down and get crazy. So now we beat ours in the stands to support the mighty Verdes. Now, to be honest, I don't follow movies these days. Hell, you give me John Wayne, and she wore a yellow ribbon any day. 
Well, even that's more than I'm wearing right now in front of the groundskeepers. My goodness, yeah, it's hot enough today to fry an egg on these seats. Excuse me while I slather myself with some more sunblock from this gallon vat I load in. Ooh, creamy, cooling, and luxurious. And a bit of wind at last, too. I think I'll kick up my feet here and stretch out. <laughs> God, I see stuff flapping. Oh, I think I'm going to hurl. Yeah, I'm inspired to sing. My own homage to the recently deceased Jimmy Seals. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. Blowing through the ballpark in my mind. That was rich and engaging, confusing, made me a little tired, made me a little hungry. I'm awash in a spectrum of emotions. Thank you for joining us, I think. Mr. Blue Bonnet. Let's take things uh, away from the nakedness in the stands and onto the field. Uh, this is their second year, I believe, as I mentioned earlier. Last year, they finished in 12th place. All the Texas teams uh, pretty much all finished worst in the West, and somehow the expansion team wasn't in very last, and boy, have they built on that. But they've got a little bit similar situation to uh, Club de Foot Montreal. This team is number two in the West in offense. They also score exactly two goals per match, but they're only ranked ninth in defense. That's a little bit better than Montreal, but not enough to be real impressive or make me think that this team's going to stay afloat. They had a uh, comparatively easy start to their season schedule-wise, and things have been getting tougher and tougher, and they leave a few points on the table here and there. I'd really love to see them be able to compete for a playoff spot. Right now, the goal differential backs up that possibility. They're still number three in the West, Time will tell, and I think that uh, with Montreal's defense being so poor, neither of them being strong in that regard, there's at least a very solid chance for Austin to come away with a point here on the road. That's a long trip, though, and I don't think Mr. Blue Bonnet's making it. That might be a little bit colder uh, than he and his nether regions are looking to experience. Anyway, back to on the field. Once again, tied for – or not tied. He's uh, all by himself with eight goals at number three in league scoring, Sebastian Driussi, their Argentinian attacking midfielder who came over from Zenit St. Petersburg, uh, came up with a river – I've been pronouncing it Plate, but I keep – because it's Spanish, but I keep on TV hearing it pronounced as River Plate, which to me sounds kind of funny. Either way, one of the historically great clubs in Argentina. And just as a fun side note, uh, this guy looks like when he's done with his soccer career, he can join the uh, Property Brothers and their media and real estate empire. If he doesn't look like a, a a third triplet to those two twins, I don't know who does. Maybe maybe he should try to at least finagle his way into getting some ADT uh, alarm system, you know, uh, money of some kind to an ad for them. Anyway, they're one of my favorite players uh, for a reason I'll tell you shortly. Tied for number one in assists with seven in the league is Diego Fun Goodies Fagundes. I was... Uh, as I've mentioned once before when I was covering this team, I was sending a voice text uh, to the management about this, our wizarding, our uh, wizard of a producer, and uh, my 
my Apple iPhone could not get Fagundes and just called him Diego Fun Goodies. I really want him to take on that name. Let's start a movement. He's from Uruguay, attacking midfielder, but he moved to the U.S. when he was just five years old. Uh, he came up with and spent nine of his senior seasons with the New England Revolution uh, before moving down here in the expansion draft. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, and again, slipping just a little bit, a 5-7 to seven goal differential. Match number B. We're here to replace that nasty phrase, number two, yuck, bathroom talk in your daily lives. Join us in our quiet revolution to replace that with number B. Listen to it in action right now. You'll find it works quite wonderfully. Match number B, we hop across the pond to Spain for a very important second division match. It is promotion playoff time. They have reached the final in the Segunda Division, the second leg of the two-legged tie of that final. In fact, the two teams are in the midst of a home and away series. We're talking about number five from the regular season, Tenerife, and number six, Girona. The top two teams, Almeria and uh, Valladolid, they finished number one and number B, and they have already been promoted. The next few teams have been having a little mini-tournament to decide who will be the third and final team to go up as three teams from La Liga, the top flight, move back on down. The first leg of this matchup went nil-nil at Girona. Uh, Tenerife won both times when they played earlier this season. You can catch this iteration, the last one, 3 p.m. Eastern Time U.S. on ESPN+. And we'll talk about favorite Tenerife first. I found a few nicknames for them kind of interestingly. Tete, which I think translates to tea, like what you would drink, but... Seems to me to be an odd nickname. Maybe there's a slang one. Uh, Chichareros. I wish my Spanish were good enough to know that one. But I do know Insulares. That's basically going to be the island or the islanders. And why not? Because Santa Cruz de Tenerife, where they are from, is actually in the Canary Islands. Yeah, that little archipelago or group of islands that are off the near coast of Western Africa. They and uh, Las Palmas. Uh, that play professional ball for Spain. They are two of the, uh, I believe, the very most geographically isolated teams from the rest of Europe that play in these rarefied airs. Internationally, this team, a little bit of success once. They made the semifinals of the tournament that is now known as the Europa League back in 1996-1997. Last time that they played in La Liga, the top flight was in 2009-2010, so almost ready to welcome them back. Uh, in 1988, 1989, I uh, was one of the two times they ever had their best finish in La Liga. They got all the way to number five. Last year, they finished number five in this particular week's league. So they participated in the promotion playoffs, but clearly did not win. In the regular season, they finished one point ahead of Girona. Uh, they trailed uh, Amaria and uh, Valladolid by 12. It was uh, really, by and large, a two-horse race for those two automatic promotion spots. Uh, this team, the issue was offense. They were only average in that regard in the league, but they were one of just a couple of teams that were letting in less than one goal per match. And that was good for having the uh, tie for the third best overall goal differential. They had the second best goalkeeper in the league, giving up uh, 0.85 goals per match. Uh, this league, I like it. They don't just track the clean sheets, but the overall efficiency. Uh, that nice metric went to Juan Soriano, 24 years old. He came up with Sevilla. I believe that the best player they probably have going is uh, Jeremy Milo from France. He plays right back for them. Uh, gets up and down the field some, one goal, two assists. And uh, he has played top flight ball before, but not in Spain. That was over in France when he was with a club called Wienwamp. 
And yes, if you've seen the French table before, it looks like Gwyn Gamp, but I'm pretty sure I'm getting it right. In any case, this guy's a very good dribbler and amazing on clearances, good in the air. He had over 90 of those on the season, just incredible. And now Girona, they are from the northeast part of Spain, uh, the semi-autonomous area of Catalonia. Not the biggest city in the world, just uh, 100,000 plus, uh, but the ancient city uh, in the interior of it is incredibly well preserved. So this is a very popular tourist spot. And I do know that at least one uh, Game of Thrones episode was filmed right there. Kind of interesting. I believe season six, episode 10 is what I saw. If you're a big fan, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, this is a team that is owned by City Football Group, which I had not known. Uh, that's the team that owns Manchester City and New York City and a bunch of other ones. So it's they're kind of New York Yankees-ish, although it's a little harder to put that uh, put that label on a team that's playing in the second division for the moment. Uh, 2017 through 19 were the only years that this team played in Division One in their 90 years of existence. Uh, they finished in 10th place in the first of those years, and I believe that was their best finish. Last year, they finished in sixth place and got to participate in these promotion playoffs. Then uh, this year in the regular season, statistically, uh, no real surprises. They're basically around number uh, five or number six on offense, defense, pretty well balanced. Tied for number one in league scoring, guy was there. So Tenerife can stop him. They largely shut down the offense to a degree. Uh, Christian Stuani from Uruguay, striker, veteran, 35 years old, uh, spent the biggest part of his career with Espanol, which I believe has mostly been in the top flight. And uh, that's really where he's been other, or no, that's the longest stint he's ever spent anywhere in his career other than here where he's been for five years. And he's got 15 national team uh, caps from back home, but I'm not sure he's played with them since 2019. They've also got the number four goalkeeper in the league statistically, Juan Carlos, another veteran, 34 years old. And uh, yes, La Liga, or not La Liga, but Liga MX fans, if you're a big enough fan of Guadalajara, you might remember this guy. I think he made like a half a dozen appearances with your team all the way back 13, 14 years ago at the very beginning of his senior career. Didn't have much more than a cup of coffee. Match number three. We are terribly inefficient at our travel. We're heading right back to the States and moving on south to Puerto Rico, Liga Puerto Rico, where the top four in this league of the eight teams in it will go on to the next round, the playoffs. There are three matches to go in the regular season. In terms of what's going to happen or what's at stake internationally, I'm not quite sure because I know that uh, that at times they have been able to send teams to uh, one of the two uh, Caribbean sub-federation events but uh, all of that is being done away with, and they're going to be building something brand new organizationally with CONCACAF uh, for the Caribbean and I think Central American region. But in any case, at the very least, we know there's a trof trophy that's going to be on the line. Your matchup, number B, Metropolitan, taking on number one, Academia Quintana. Uh, uh, try that again. Quintana currently lead by two on goal differential, they are tied on points. This just couldn't really be much closer. Now, but it is not just a two-horse race. Uh, Bayamon, they trail these two teams by only one point, and they have a match in hand and have a substantially better goal differential. So that team is probably your favorite to win the league right now if you had to pick. These two can't afford a draw. Somebody's got to get three points, I think, if either of them are going to compete for the title with Bayamon when they played earlier this season. And I'm unsure why Metropolitan got to host both games, but my source says they did. 
In any event, they won 3-2, to two, and we will talk about them first. Metropolitan FA, founded in 2012. They, like a lot of teams, play out of the uh, capital city of San Juan. 2016, they won the regular season title and the playoff title in the Puerto Rican Soccer League. That's what the top flight was known then. Uh, here in its current iteration, the League of Puerto Rico, they won it in 2018-2019. They got to play in the CONCACAF League a feeder league to the CONCACAF Champions League last year, but lost in their first appearance to uh, Guatemala's Santa Lucia. Uh, this year in league play, they are uh, averaging right about three and a half goals per game, but believe it or not, that's only good for second best in this league. They've gotten above average defense and goal differential. Team's current form, they have won six straight, straight and are, are on a streak of nine unbeaten with just a cartoonish goal differential over that win streak. 27 scored, and they have only conceded five. Can the visitors make a dent in that kind of thing today? Quintana, they also play out of San Juan. This is an older club founded in 1969. In fact, it's one of the oldest in existence in the country. Uh, Originally, it was named Residencial Cesar Cordero for the neighborhood that it was located in. And they specifically went out of their way, way back then to develop players right there in that area. That's kind of neat. I like to see that grassroots stuff. Uh, They've won either seven or eight national titles. I couldn't quite tell with various uh, top flight domestic leagues since the 1990s. The last one and take this with a grain of salt might've been all the way back though in 2008. So this is a return to form for them. Uh, They also average about three and a half goals per match. Defense is just a little bit better than Metropolitan's. As far as the team's current form, they're slipping a little bit. It looked like the league title might've been theirs, but they're 2-0-2, I believe, in their last four. And they have the disadvantage that before this game is played, but sometime after I've recorded it, they will be playing one other match against none other than by a moan, and that is going to be a tough one. Match number four. By the way, match number B and match number three, I misspoke. Those are Sunday matches. We only had match number one as a Saturday match. All the big action is later in the week this week, just about. But we will talk about one more match before we move on from our weekend, Sunday. We're going to talk OFC Champions League. They haven't quite really started the event proper. They're about to do the knockout stage. But what happens is with each of these countries in Oceania that participate, the top two league teams from the previous year either play a single match or sometimes they'll do a home and away two-legged tie. But in any case, they'll use that playoff to determine who will move on to the knockout in the actual Champions League. Now, this two-legged tie from Fiji actually starts on Friday. I'm not going to be able to know what the score was, of course, for that recording before that. Uh, So just know that if you're going to look for it online, knock yourself out. What we're talking about for Sunday is leg number two, when number one from last year, Rewa, will be taking on number B, Lautoka. Lautoka, rather. And that's all the specifics that you're going to get from me on this one, because this is the time of podcasts that we decide to cheat. Cheat like crazy. We want to make some quid. We'll do whatever we can to do it, even though that means turning to our own in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noobstradamus wandering the world, collecting and dispensing wisdom, and here to help us divine a soccer result so that we can afford to put our kids in college. Take it away, almighty oh soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. 
The merciless winds howl, and they fit my mood. It is a dark, bittersweet thing you do, asking me to define a soccer score from Fiji. Some centuries ago, I had asked a woman's hand in marriage. Selenita, a name as beautiful as she. And she was a bete, an oracle. And part of the hand of the feast, one half of the society. I would have happily tied myself to her, and this place, given over my world-wandering. I fear this vision for the heartbreak it will likely bring. Lotus leaf taken in, I travel once again through space and time. Whee! I awake as myself, but not in control, a spectator behind my own eyes. I've proposed to my lady. But she must discuss it with our leaders, though she be one herself. Now, I wait a little distance off as they conduct their ceremony. On one end, they serenely sit on their pandanus mats. On the other is the man mixing the yakona, think peppery kava. He washes and dries the roots, pounds it into powder, and strains it through reeds. He announces it mixed holding it aloft for a chieftain's herald. The herald says it is too strong and the mixture is strained again. Many times this happens and I begin to feel impatient. Finally, the herald pronounces it good and it is presented to the first among the chieftains. They chant and clap ever so slowly, three times. Good, perhaps now the discussion will begin. No. Now the herald must drink. He is clapped for twice. Wonderful. I think now that I, a man recognized as powerful and honorable everywhere I go, must truly now be allowed to sit in. But as I enter, I am stopped by younger chiefs who await their turn to drink. I am tossed out. Madness. My love tells me because I am impatient, I may not marry her. I have not brought a sevu sevu, a small offering. I must learn respect. I didn't know, but I was so much younger then, impetuous and quick to act. The vision fades, the image of my lady love with it. I awake. The world gained at my loss that day, and you do too. The answer is in the clapping. Rewa will win three to two this day. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number five. Always a great deal of bamboozling fun listening to Noobsterdamus and his hazy visions. At least we get a little cultural learning out of it. He's not usually too correct on the score. So gamble wisely based on this information or maybe even 
not at all. Now, because you had such a light weekend compared to normal, you don't get Monday off. We've got a big one in Brazil going on to look at. They're almost halfway, or I'm sorry, they're almost a third of the way through the season, still moderately early, in Brazil's Serie A, the best league in all of South America. And by the way, here, the top six teams will all qualify to the Copa Libertadores, their big tournament. And then the next six will go to their version of the Europa League, the Copa Sudamericana. Your matchup, number three, Sao Paulo taking on number one, Palmeiras. This is known as the King's Clash, which I believe in uh, Portuguese might be uh, the Choque Rei, R-E-I. This series historically has just been so close over the years. Sao Paulo have the ever so slight advantage all time. 113 wins, 112 losses, 110 draws. More recently, Palmeiras Palmeiras have had the better of it, uh, accruing a 16-14-11 and record. Here's how the table looks right now. Palmeiras, they're in first with 22. Corinthians sit in the second spot with 21. And then Sao Paulo is one of two teams just a little bit back at 18 points. You can catch this on Paramount Plus at 7 p.m. on Monday night. Now, Sao Paulo, this is the number three most supported club in all of Brazil. It's that they have over 12 million fans. They'll be hosting this, as always, at the Morumbi, which uh, has a capacity as a stadium of 76,000 and change. A lot of international history with this club. They won the FIFA Club World Cup once. 2005, one of those years that the Europeans didn't win it. They've also won the Copa Libertadores three times. That's tied for the most of any club. Most recent time was 2005. They've also won this league's title six times, most recently in 2008. Last year, not their year at all. No title whatsoever. Uh, They finished in 13th, bottom half of the league. This year, they are making amends. They've got a top three offense, a top five defense. Number one scorer in the league is theirs with nine already. Jonathan uh, Cayeri or Caleri from Argentina, play striker for them. And this dude has been everywhere. He's a journeyman. Uh, he plays for every place from uh, West Ham over the Premier League to uh, Espanol over in La Liga. And he's uh, you know, been loaned out to all manner of places. <laughs> the hottest player I think they have going right now, though, that if you watch this, I want you to look for on the defensive side, <clears throat> excuse me, is their center back, singularly named Leo. Uh, he's a very good dribbler and he's excellent in the air, gets a lot of clearances, a lot of interceptions, just an overall incredible athlete. And be looking for him, uh, not only in the center, but sometimes they move him over to the left side as well. Team's current form, the only loss they've had this season was all the way back in April. Uh, Let's see, their win over America MG that they had recently, though, broke a streak of three straight draws. So they've been on fire, but not completely burning the house down, so to speak. Paul Myras, the toughest customer in Brazil right now and for a couple of years. One of my favorite teams, just because one of their team chants for the nickname is Porco, which is Italian for pig or pork, of course. Uh, This team was founded by Italian immigrants, and for a long time they made up the bulk of the fans. Porco was used, uh, you know, by the opposing fans to try to insult them, but instead they embraced it. And I love that kind of linguistic seizure. Porco, 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 you're my favorite Brazilian team just for the cheer. Uh, They play in Sao Paulo as well. And in fact, they're really close together geographically. They're both, uh, it's a bit of an odd shaped city, to be honest, kind of sort of a T. And they're both more or less in the middle in the neighborhoods where they play. I believe this team plays in Perdices. Uh, They have won the Copa Libertadores title three times. 
and they are the two-time defending champs. This is your new power, if not a completely historical one. But they have won the league title 10 times, most recently 2018. This year, it looks like they're going to hang on to that crown so far, at least, uh, number one offense and number one defense. They're the only team in the league that is very impressively allowing less than a uh, less than a goal every other match on average. That's good for a goal differential that's twice as good as anybody else's in the league. Uh, top 10 in league scoring, they spread it around, so he's not way up at the top of these standings. But uh, with six goals is uh, Ronnie with one end uh, forward. And I love seeing guys like this succeed because I'm a little vertically challenged myself. It's only five foot five and a half. And then they've got a guy who I've talked about before. He's one of my favorites. Uh, second in assists this year in the league is Gustavo Scarpa, attacking midfielder. And he's simply my favorite because he looks like the Brazilian Urkel. I hope that you, dear listener, are old enough to remember Family Matters because just envision a Brazilian Urkel and you very much have this guy. And then they've also got the number one uh Goalkeeper going in the league in terms of clean sheets in uh, Waverton, 34-year-old veteran. Uh, team's current form, just like Sao Paulo, their only loss of the season was all the way back in April. This is going to be a dandy of a match. You'd think those fiendish felines want to go out and play, but no, what they crave is a recap from last week's matches. So we'll take a time out here and give that to them. Last week, match number one was a Friday match from CONCACAF Nations League. League A, number B, USA, took on number 25 in our confederation, Grenada. The result was a very predictable 5-0 win. Jesus Ferreira had himself a night with four goals. Saturday, match number B, number eight in the East, Charlotte, took on number four, New York Red Bulls. Charlotte, the expansion team, came out on top of the 2-0 win. That bumps them up to number six. Christian Jonathan Ortiz had an assist on the winning goal. Guy we said to look out for. Match number three from the AFC Asian Cup third qualifying round. Number 173 ranked by UEFA Cambodia took on number 148 Hong Kong. Uh, my daughter did the prediction for that one, I believe, and she thought it was going to be a 4-0 win for Cambodia. But no, it went the other way. It was 0-3 Hong Kong. Whoops, that's okay. Match number four from UEFA's Nations League, League number B, the second best of the four groups. We had third place in the table, Montenegro, taking on second best, Bosnia and Herzegovina. The result was a 1-1 draw that was actually good enough to move the Bosnian side up to number one for the moment. Sunday match number nine from the NWSL. Portland played like they were at home. They're number four, or were number four, and they walloped. Number B, Houston, nil four. Sophia Smith playing like a player of the year candidate should for that team. Uh, she had a brace of goals and an assist. Portland moved up to number three. Houston slid all the way down to fifth place. Match number six. Yeah, we went to Madagascar for the playoff final. Somebody's going to go to the Champions League. We wanted to see who between number four from the Northern Division, Achisaya, and second best out of the South, CFFA. It was CFFA coming out. On top, nil three. Monday, match number seven. AFCON, that's the African National Team's tournament uh, for their championship. They're in their qualification round this year. Number 108, uh, in, <laughs> ranked by FIFA Sierra Leone, took on number 115, Guinea-Bissau, and it went to a 2-2 draw. Guinea-Bissau, they actually had this match in control. They were up 2-0 and dominating. And then they lost a man to a red card early in the second half and ended up having to settle for a draw. Match number eight, we were going to see who one of the teams was to get one of the last two berths into the World Cup. The 
Inter-Confederation playoff match in Qatar between Australia and Peru. Uh, they didn't really risk anything. It was a pretty much snooze fest in regular time. It went to nil-nil, and then uh, the Socceroos, Australia, came out on top 5-4 on PKs. Congratulations on making the World Cup. And then we had our other FIFA World Cup in- Inter-Confederation match, also in Qatar, between number 31, Costa Rica, and number 101 ranked in the world, New Zealand, your champion from Oceania. We won't have an Oceania representative this year. Uh, they acquitted themselves well, but Costa Rica had a third-minute goal. And that was all they needed to win 1-0. Match number 10 uh, from the Oceania Football Confederation Champions League National Playoffs. Who from Tahiti is going to get to go to the knockout round between P-Ray and Venus? They played a single leg, unlike most of the countries, doing a home-and-away two-legged tie, and it was Venus coming out on top on the road. Nil one. They had to get it in added extra time in the second half. And then your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Route of the week. You voted for a Sunday match out of Ghana between number one, Asante Kotoko, and last place number 18, Almina Sharks. And it was the number one team coming out on top. Three nil. The most meaningless match in the world. Smack dab in the middle of their league, which in this case was Finland's uh, women's league, uh, the Kanselainen Liga. Uh, number six, HPS, played number five, PK35. They played to a 1-1 draw. No change in table position for these two, as is so appropriate in the most meaningless match. And then your match of Disappointed from Saturday. Two awful teams were to face off for Nisa, one of the third-tier leagues here in America. Supposed to be number four in the Western Division, LA Force, taking on number five. Uh, last place, uh, we- uh, Valley United. That's the name of the club. But that match got postponed. I think Valley United might still be trying to put together a team after uh, they had a bunch of immigration service issues uh, within the last couple of weeks. Uh, how do you say whoops in Spanish? In any case, that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Oh, dear. Let's get back into the current week's tracking, please, by diving back in with... Match number six. And so we march into Tuesday for UEFA Champions League action. Now, I know what you're thinking, noob. The UEFA Champions League final was just several weeks ago. It can't possibly time to get you know, be time to get that thing started up again. Well, in a matter of speaking, yes, it is. Because before the group stages, the event proper start, which will be months from now, the 2022-23 version of the event's qualifying rounds begin this week with four of the uh, winners of leagues from very, very little countries or even microstates from around Europe. It's going to work a little bit differently this year than it has before. There are uh, there are still four teams participating in the preliminary round, but this year they're going to have a tournament, and only one of them instead of two is going to get to move on to the true first qualifying round. The other three will all drop down into the new tertiary tournament, Europa Conference League second qualifying round. Uh, one of the teams is in Reykjavik, and uh, that is where all of the matches are going to be hosted. And the matchup we're going to look at is FCI Levadia, and they are playing out of the capital city in Estonia. They will be playing Vikingur Reykjavik, last year's winner of the Iceland Besta DL. The winner will get to play the winner of La Florita from the microstate of San Marino that's in, uh, enclaved over in Italy or from Andorra, Interclub de Escaldes, their champions. Now, I used to think that it was actually the winners of the uh, leagues with the four lowest coefficients. 
but in fact, they're not using the league's coefficients. It turns out they're actually looking at the four lowest rated teams that qualify for Champions League qualifying play. And these be them. We will talk about Lavadia first. Again, they play out of the capital city. That is Tallinn. Uh, they were originally from Mardu with two A's, so I'm hoping I'm getting that right, where the club was simply known as Lavadia. And then they moved to the city of Tallinn, and the two merged to become what is now FCI Tallinn. Merging hasn't really made them tons better overall in Europe. Hey, Estonia is a really small country and they're doing what they can. In fact, the league, the Maestro Liga, is only ranked number five out of the, I believe, 54 ranked UEFA leagues. This team has won the league title 10 times in the past. Uh, last year, they won a league by just one point over Flora Tallinn. This year, they're about halfway through the season. This is far enough north that Estonia is one of the countries that has a uh, quote-unquote summer league, and they are in second place currently. They've got uh, the second-best offense in the league, scoring over two per match, and the number one defense having only allowed six goals in 16 matches, and yet there is someone outperforming them amazingly. Uh, They have number one league score on their side with eight on the season, Zakaria. Beglarshvili from Georgia. Boy, I about choked on my own tongue on that one. Beglarshvili from the Republic of Georgia plays attacking midfielder. No death allowed on the show, noob. And the team's form, uh, they are uh, they had a 1-1 draw in their most recent match versus Flora, and that snapped a six-match winning streak. So they've been doing pretty darn well. And now, your challengers, they're listed as visitors on paper, even though it's going to be at their stadium, uh, Vikingur Reykjavik. They play out of a district that I believe is pronounced Fossvogur, uh, which is a district of Reykjavik. Uh, by the way, Iceland's Besta Dield in their top league is ranked number 52 in all of Europe, not too grand. Uh, they, this team has won the title five teams time has won the league title five times there. I think I still got that Beglarshvili on the tongue. Last year when they won the title, that was their first one in 30 years. So congratulations and welcome back to international play Vikingur. Uh, the uh, home ground where they play is only going to have 1,500 seats. I got to think they're going to sell this thing out. Uh, they've been to the Europa League and the Champions League each a small number of times. They've never passed advanced past the first round, though. However, they haven't lost everything. They did get one draw in the Europa League in 2015-16 against Slovenia's club, Copper, and it was an away match even. They managed to draw 2-2. They won last year's league title by just one point over Bredeblik. Here in the 2022 season, it's fairly early on in Iceland, and they are in second place, scoring over two goals per match. The defense... That's been giving them problems, though. Uh, They've been giving up over one and a half per match, and that puts them in the bottom three, I believe, in the league, Uh, at least as far as ordinal rankings. Overall, their goal differential is tied for third, and this will be an okay team. Uh, They've got a top team score on their side to boast of with four already in Kristal Mani Ingeson. He's an attacker, 24 years old. Team's current form, they have won three straight with an impressive eight and two goal differential. Match number seven. Try to keep up. We're speeding along into Wednesday, where it's time to look at something from the quarterfinals of our nation's FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, where Sporting Kansas City out of Major League Soccer will be playing host to, yeah, they're still alive. They keep getting mentioned roughly every other episode. Union Omaha out of USL's 
League One, which is the third tier. They're the lowest seeded team left in the entire event. That's, in fact, it's been that way for a round or two, I believe. But as is always our tradition here, we are not going to talk about Union Omaha because I'm still uh, in an emotionally bad place about the fact that in the opening round of the Open Cup, they beat my Des Moines Menace. I'm an Iowa native originally, and uh, Des Moines Menace only play one league lower. They had a very competitive game, but Union Omaha beat them. And so I won't talk about them. Instead, we will use this point in the show. Uh, We normally do it a little bit later, but it works out now to talk about some cool cultural aspect of where the game is being played. In this case, Kansas City is playing host. And what we traditionally like to learn about is food. No exception here. No recipe for you this time. Just a little bit of food history. How cool would it be if Kansas City, named, you know, they were the Swell Park Rangers for a long time. And I think now they're just uh, sporting Kansas City too. They should name them Burnt Ends FC. If you like brisket and such, you're probably somebody who loves burnt ends. Well, I, without really thinking about it, just would have assumed naturally that burnt ends are something that are just part of food that people eat. They're good and and they probably were everywhere all at once. But Kansas City actually claims to be the originator of burnt ends. Um, Arguably, it's the most famous food to ever come out of Kansas City, and it goes hands in hand hand in hand with their barbecue history, of course. Uh, The restaurant we're talking about is called Arthur Bryant's Barbecue. It's in the Jazz District. And the trimmings of the brisket were traditionally just offered up for free. This goes back like all the way to the early 70s as sort of a, to be fancy, an amuse-bouche, if you will, to diners who were waiting for their actual meats that were part of the owner. The guy would just... uh, you know, who was cooking the meat would just put them on the counter and shove them off to the side, figured out some people liked them. They weren't even charging money for it, but they rose to fame as a, just a a dinner dish on their own, if you will, because in 1972, a writer for Playboy magazine of all places, who was from Kansas city originally name is Calvin. I want to pronounce it Trillin. Uh, He described them in an essay that he wrote for Playboy and talked about how amazing they were and how they were basically charging for the wrong food, even though the rest was very good. Now, unfortunately, it's a little bit hard to get true burnt ends now. If you, whether you're at Arthur Bryant's or lots of places, if you order quote unquote burnt ends, which you're largely really getting are just chunks of brisket that include the end that are a little bit more well done and then they heavily sauce them. But if you're in Kansas City for this game or any time recently, do yourself a favor. Um, It's got more of the loose burnt ends actually on it. It's named after the interstate exit that's nearby. Go ahead and get yourself the 3B as in boy, 3B sandwich to get a little taste of Kansas City barbecue and burnt end history. Sounds really good. Match number eight. We stay on Wednesday on the calendar, and you get your second taste of Canada for this particular podcast episode. Specifically, the FA Cup in Canada is also going on, just like here in the U.S., the Canadian Championship, where they have reached the semifinal. Who participates in this? Well, it's all three Major League Soccer clubs that are, uh, you know, reside north of the border, all of the Canadian Premier League teams, and then the winners of League One Ontario and uh, the Premier League Soccer Quebec, the PLSQ, which I believe is uh, those two are semi-pro at most. Uh, The Voyager's Cup, such a cool trophy, but it's interesting. The Maple Leafs all over, they almost kind of look like they're 
stickers that have just been sort of scattered around it. It looks like something in that particular way near the base that you would give away as an elementary school. But Canada going to do Canada. What are we going to do about it? They even spell Voyager with the U. It's pretty cool. Uh, the winners of this event get to go straight through to the CONCACAF Champions League. And you can watch it if your cable package runs deep enough on Fox Soccer Plus. 10 o'clock Eastern time. The semifinal we're going to look at because it involves the lowest seeded team still left is Vancouver Whitecaps, Major League Soccer, of course, playing host to York United out of the Canadian Premier League. Vancouver playing host uh, internationally, lots of success, 2015-16 and the 17 season. They made uh, Champions League appearances and they made it to the, all the way to the semifinals in the second year. Last year in Major League Soccer, they made it to number six in the East, but were out in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, they've only got one Canadian Championship FA Cup title, uh, which kind of surprised me. That was back in 2015. They got to the semifinal by last round, defeating Cavalry FC out of the Canadian Premier League, and they took a penalty kick. So they finished the 120 minutes with a, uh, with a 1-1 score, and then uh, they had to win 3-5 to five on penalty kicks. Here in the 2022 MLS season, so far, uh, not going so well. They're in 11th place out in the West, and the problems are on both sides of the ball. They're almost giving up two goals per match, and the offense isn't a lot better, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the best player they've probably got going right now is uh, Lucas Daniel uh, Cavallini, their striker. Uh, four goals, one assist on the league season. Uh, he's a real accurate passer, uh, passer especially uh, when he's uh, near the box, you kind of need to get him close range. And he's an excellent tackler, tackler to boot. Actually spent the heart of his career with uh, Puebla down in Liga MX. Not one of their very best teams, I don't think. But, you know, still, that's a very good league. The weak link on this particular team that you uh, York United is probably going to try to take most advantage of is right in the center of the field. Half the reason is because of Vancouver's weak link in uh, Leonard Owusu. He doesn't have any goals any assists, doesn't really do much defensively for them either, to be perfectly honest. He's an accurate passer, and that's fine. That is all he's bringing to the table right now. I think you've just got to get uh, more than standard distribution out of the very center of the field. Team's current form, uh, they just had a three-match win streak broken. They got wrecked at Seattle. They lost uh, 4-0 in that one. And now the nine stripes of York United playing out of Toronto, a team that was founded just four years ago. Uh, they're very much tied. It's not quite an official relationship, but they play at the stadium there of uh, York University. Last year, they finished in fourth place in their league, the CPL, and they made the playoff semifinals. This year, they have slipped a little bit. They're currently only in seventh place out of the eight teams. I think that they might have a match in hand or maybe two because of their time here in the uh, FA Cup, though. That said, collectively, they've got the worst offense in the league. They've only scored six times in 10 matches. Matches in hand or not, that's pretty bad. They're thriving on defense. They play small ball. They don't try to score much. They've only conceded seven in those same matches, and that makes them overall a little bit better than average for goal differential. They advanced to the semifinal, uh, also in a PK match over their league brothers, Pacific FC. Uh, the 120 minutes went to 2-2, and then they won 3-4 to on penalty kicks. They've got the second-best goalkeeper going in the league, Nico Giancipolos. Hope I'm getting that right. But their best player overall, at least in the outfield, is probably their midfielder, uh, Diadin Abzi. He's only got one assist on the year so far, but that's just because they're not trying to score that much. This guy creates tons of chances. Just team, 
His teammates aren't putting him in the back of the net for some reason. And he does track back pretty well on defense. He's a good tackler, nice physical player. Team screwing for him. Uh, they haven't won a game other than through penalty kicks in their last seven matches. On the road, they're going to have a really tough time of it. But, uh, you know, as is kind of part of American culture down here, uh, we'll, we'll be rooting for York. Who doesn't love an underdog? Match number nine. We remain on Wednesday, and we're going to rock America harder than ever before by visiting an American league that we've never gone to before. From the fourth tier of the American Pyramid, it is the USL League Two, and we're going to look at a team in the South Central Division. Uh, this is not fully professional play. Some of the kids might get stipends. I say kids because my understanding is that at this particular level, you're talking about college players getting some play in the offseason, and uh, you know maybe kids who have been out of college for a couple of years or coaching and want to get some play in, in the summer. So it's incredibly high-end amateur ball at the very least, and there are 16 total divisions throughout the entire country. We're going to look at a matchup from the South Central Division, and uh, out of this particular one, it really varies from division to division based on size and maybe other factors. The top two uh, of the teams in this division will get to go on to the national playoffs. We're going to look at number one in the South Central, Asheville City, as they play host to number B, one Knoxville. Asheville currently lead in the table by one. Nobody else right now is within seven points. Let's talk about Asheville first. It was a little hard to find a lot of soccer information, by the way, on either of these online from my usual sources. So we'll give you a little history as well, information about the region as we go. Uh, Asheville City was founded just five years ago. They started in a different league this year at one of the lower tiers, the uh, National Premier Soccer League, NPSL. But then they moved over uh, last year to this league, USL League Two. Uh, they play at a downtown arena with a capacity of 3,000 Memorial Stadium. It also hosts their USL women's team and a semi-pro American football club named the Asheville Grizzlies. Last year, they played in the Deep South Division, didn't make the playoffs. They finished in fourth place, and it was a smaller uh, division uh, that they were in last year as well. This year, the, they're the only undefeated team remaining in their division, 6-2-0. and uh, Number one offense, two and a half goals per match. They've got the second best defense going. They have only allowed six in eight matches. Team's current form. Uh, they've got a four, uh, they had a four game win streak going, but that got snapped with a 1 1 draw at a club I want to make mention of Southern, uh, Southern Soccer Academy. SSA have three matches in hand, by the way, against these two teams at the top of the league. Now, if they get three points in all of those as they make them up, uh, they won't overtake the lead, but they will be right there amongst the top three. So this will probably turn into a three-horse race at best. And by the way, a little did you know about Asheville, uh, even though I live somewhat close, you know, just a few hours in this particular region, something I didn't know. Um, there's a lot of the bigger mountains there, like Mount Mitchell, that are much more famous uh, for tourism. But there is one Whiteside Mountain that's really interesting because I didn't know that the Great Smokies had this. It is still technically an active volcanic Mountain. Now, geographic time is measured essentially much differently than time as we reckon it. Uh, but the bottom line is the Whiteside Mountain, it's something like 1,100 years overdue to blow. So while everybody's been worried about volcanic activity basically taking place uh, underneath Yellowstone National Park, uh, Whiteside Mountain, albeit a fair bit smaller, is something that could definitely make a little mini Pompeii out of this region. So 
be careful, Ashevillians. And now Knoxville won Knoxville. They This is their very first year, so I really couldn't find uh, much of anything about them. Uh, this year, they've got the second-best offense going in the league, scoring over uh, two goals per match, and the third-best defense. They should be able to hang out near the top throughout the year. Their current form, uh, they've only had one loss, and that was their very first match of the year against, guess who, Asheville City, where they lost one to two. So they will be looking to get revenge. Will one Knoxville. And by the way, something I learned really interesting about that name. Um, if you look at their base uh, website, there's not much information there. And it seems to imply that the name one Knoxville is, uh, you know, it's sort of a United sort of thing. Like they want to make sure they're inclusive of, you know, everybody they possibly can be and want them all to support and give their money and do what they do. But something that I didn't realize is that uh, the other reason is called One Knoxville, a historical note way back when this uh, town was first being uh, formed or about to be formed. Did you know that there were actually four different towns and somewhat geographically dispersed that were all called Knoxville, but they all had different spellings. You Obviously, you had one that was the current one, K-N-O-X. You had a more uh, German one that was N-U-C-H. It was might have been more Knoxville, but, you know, close enough. And then you had one that was a uh, uh, knock, like knocking on a door, Knoxville, and one N-O-C-K, Knoxville all named after different people who weren't related and came at somewhat, you know, similar times, I believe within the same uh, two or three different, uh, two or three decade time period, all founded towns uh, called Knoxville. And eventually they all started to grow together. And they decided rather than have districts that would be confusing with each of these different names, they decided to just have one Knoxville and went with the K-N-O-X Spelling. You can't go wrong with a good old-fashioned X. And match number 10. We're done. Finally! Just for the record, I uh, did try to communicate with those league clubs on uh, Twitter to get information about, like, team traditions or players. Mm, I know it's just Twitter, but you don't get back to me. I'm going to come up with my own information. going to do my own uh, work, if you will. Just what happens. All right, match number 10. We've got a Thursday match to close out our main tracking, and we are finishing in a very paradise-like place. Welcome back to CONCACAF, specifically headed to Aruba, where the top flight is the Division D'Honor, and they are in their finals series. And it's unique down there. They appear to be playing a best of three. Uh, This particular match that we're going to be talking about, at least this day is leg two. Leg one will have been played last Sunday, but this is the time of week that I wanted to draw attention to it because if the same team wins this one that will have won the first one, then you will know you're a Ruben champion. And uh, I, again, we're not really sure what's happening with CONCACAF and the Caribbean uh, sub-confederation, uh, but presumably their champion will get to go to some sort of Caribbean sub-confederation event. And won't it be fun? Your matchup. RCA and Dakota. Now, uh, they played a double round robin in this league, what they call the regular season for the 10 clubs, and RCA beat Dakota by one point for that title. Then they moved on to what they call the Kaya, K-A-Y-A, Kaya 4, which is the top four clubs. They played a double round robin between them, and Dakota came out on top by two over RCA. The two most recent times they've played this season, because obviously there have been several, I'll make mention that the road team won both times. RCA won 2-3 to three and Dakota won 1-3. to three. 
We'll talk about today's host first, RCA, which uh, the full name of the club is SV Racing Club Aruba. They play out of the district of Salido in the capital city of Orange Stad. Uh, I'm going to take a stab at the name of the stadium, which holds 5,000 pe- uh, people, uh, Compleo Deportivo Franz Figueroa. Uh, they have 16 league titles, a historical juggernaut. Last one they won, I think, was in 2018-19. Uh, they went to the CONCACAF Champions League, or what is now called that, twice in the 1990s, but they never made it past like the preliminary or the first round. Uh, last year, they finished in first place in the regular season, uh, but then they were bounced out of the playoffs. This was an abbreviated season. Uh, they got bounced off in the playoff semifinal. This year, they've got the second best offense going more or less overall and uh, the number one defense Uh, team's current form. They lost only one time in their last 27 matches, and that was to Dakota three matches ago. And we'll talk about them next. Uh, They are known as the bees and have an aggressive and yet fun looking bee on their mascot. I really like it. Uh, By the way, the SV up above and here, I know I'm going to say this wrong sport. Uh, Vereniging or Vereniging Dakota, SV Dakota. They also play out of the capital city of Orange Stott. I think they're less of a suburban team. Uh, they have won the same number of titles, 16. Last one was in 2017, 2018. They made one appearance in what is now the CONCACAF Champions League all the way back in 1983. In fact, I think they had regional stages of it back then, and I don't think they got out of past like the second round of the Caribbean stage, but they were still in it. Last year, they finished in second place in the regular season and also bowed out in the playoff semifinal. Uh, They had the number one offense going and the second best defense going this year. So pretty much inverted uh, from RCA. Uh, Team's current form, uh, they have won all of their games in the last 15 except for a couple of losses to to Dakota. No, sorry. A couple of losses to RCA that have been mixed in this year. This is a two-team country, and it'll be fun to see who can take the lead in overall historical league titles. Bring forth the bonus matches! Perhaps my favorite part of the show, because you, the listener, have had a chance to say what the content's going to be. These are three matches that are a little bit quirkier. I have different criteria than the matches that we've been talking about. They're lots of fun. The first one is one that we dramatically call the world's... Route, 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 route. Of, 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 of. The week, 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 week. Or at least by voting on my polls at Soccer Noob USA on Twitter, you believe that this will be the route of the week in the world. It is a Wednesday match, and we head off to Lithuania, the A-Liga, L-Y-G-A. They are ranked number 39 in all of UEFA. They're about halfway through the season in this European Summer League. One team will get to go to the Champions League. Two will go to the Europa Conference League. On the other end of the spectrum, two teams are going to be relegated. One of those is your host today, number 10, Lietava Yonova, and they will be playing host to first place in victors in waiting, FK Panavicius. Uh, Yonova currently trail number eight, that's the point of safety, Banga Gargsdai by 13. Meanwhile, up at the top of the table, Panavicius lead one of their traditional rhinos, Zalgiris. 
uh, Vilnius, and a team called Hegelman that I'm less familiar with by just one point. So they won't be going to sleep against anybody, taking anything for granted. The league race is too tight. When they played earlier this season at home, they certainly didn't overlook them. Panavicius came away with a 4-0 win. Uh, we will talk about the almost certainly to be relegated team from Yonava first. Uh, they were founded in 1990 as Azotas. And what a team to be in last place. Uh, they were named originally after a fertilizer factory. Uh, despite this fact and the fact that there was a giant explosion in 1989 that killed people because of like the pneumonia cloud and all this, this area of the country is still known as the capital of midsummer holiday. I don't think they know what that word means in Lithuania. Then that's a bad place to go for a holiday because the fertilizer factor is a different name now, but it's still there. Uh, Yonava is uh, barely within the top ten in uh, sizes of town in the country. They've only got thirty thousand people. It's about twenty miles from Kaunas, uh, which is the second biggest city in the country. Uh, they'll be playing this at Central Stadium. Yonava, which holds just a thousand people. Last year, they finished in second place in Division Two and got promoted. So that, for the moment, is why they are here. Uh, they also came up in 2015, managed to stay a couple of years before getting demoted in 2018. They've, uh, as you would guess, they've never won Division One, but they have won the second Division four different times. Best finish they ever had in the top flight was in 2017 when they finished in fourth place. They won't do that this year. Why? Because they haven't figured out how to win a match. In fact, they've only got one point from a draw. I don't even know how they have that. Their goal differential on the year, three against 44 in 14 matches. Woof. Uh, the team's current form, uh, they just lost a match nil one. So, hey, they're improving. We want to look for reasons. You know, what can this team hang its hat on or any hopes on? And they drew against the number eight team, Banga Gardzai, in a 1-1 match before that. So they are getting perhaps just a tiny bit better. Will they be sleeping? Probably not. Panavicius, which is not only the name of the club, but also the name of the number five city in the country. And over 125,000. It's uh, off in the north, towards the northeast corner. Uh, if you're familiar with the city for much of anything, it might mean that you have an interest in Jewish history and or are Jewish yourself because it is known for being the original home of the Ponavesh Yeshiva, which is now in Benai Brak. And it's one of the biggest Litvish or Latvian Yiddish language uh, schools over there. Uh, it had to be, it got destroyed and then it got refounded uh, because of the Holocaust, as you might imagine. So now it's in Benai Brak in Israel. Uh, the club itself was founded in 2015. They were promoted Division One in 2018-19. They moved through the uh, uh, lower divisions very quickly. There's, in fact, a long history of football there in Panavicius, but the club uh, was called, uh, I believe, FK Ekranas. But it went under in 2015, and they must have known that was happening because uh, they got this club up and running under a different name pretty much the same uh, calendar year. Uh, not much league success, but this team did win the FA Cup in 2020. Uh, they lost both of their Europa Conference League matches. They got to play in the second qualifying round last year against Novi Sad out of Serbia. Uh, last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, top three offense, one and a half goals per match. Number one defense, conceding less than a goal every other match. I don't know how Yonova thinks they're going to score against them. 
uh, and their offense is just unstoppable, largely because they don't have any one big star. Five players have exactly three goals each on this team. Team's current form, they're 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, so maybe some chinks in the armor starting to show just a little bit. In fact, they just lost at number five, Suduva. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Not only do we celebrate these two mid-table forgettable meh teams, but we do so in song. The match you voted for this week, as most meaningless in the world, is one that's Tuesday on the calendar from the Republic of Georgia, the era of Newly Liga, which is ranked number 43 in UEFA. Uh, one team will get to go to the Champions League, two will get to go to the Europa Conference League next year. The other end of the spectrum, one will get relegated. Two teams will have to fight for their top flight lives in relegation playoff matches. And these two teams, of course, we predict will not have to worry about any of that. Hence the meaninglessness. Uh, they're almost halfway through the season. Again, this is another one of those summer leagues over in Europe. Your matchup is number six, Tel Aviv versus number five, Sabertalo. Sabertalo currently lead Tel Aviv by two. They trail number three, Dinamo Tbilisi by nine. That's the uh uh, first or the lowest spot that would get an international berth. Meanwhile, Tel Aviv, they leave number eight, they lead number eight FC Sayone by four points. Uh, Sabertalo won earlier when they played this season, nil two. Maybe it was two nil actually. They should have hosted the first one. In any case, the series between these two, uh, fairly recently, Sabertalo have had the best of it with a four, two and one record. Tel Aviv, your host today. That is also the name of the town. It's in the eastern part of the country. Only about 20,000 people there. But it's very popular as a tourist destination regionally for its view of the greater Caucasus Mountains and because there are all kinds of fortifications scattered around. Now, you can find that in all kinds of places in Europe, but there are really well-preserved fortifications from four distinctly different periods of history, of European history, that are you know in this area. So it's a lot of fun to go See if you're into that sort of thing. The club is very young. They were founded in 2016, promoted to the top flight in 2020. Uh, not sure where they're playing this game. Their official home is listed as uh, Givi Chokeli Stadium with a capacity of 12,000. But for some reason, uh, ever since they got promoted to the top flight, they've actually been playing nearly all of their home matches at Kav Kassioni Rugby Arena. So they're not even playing in a place that's you know, a, a true soccer-specific stadium uh, or association soccer-specific. Maybe it doesn't matter. Anyway, last year they finished in sixth place in the league. This year their stats back up precisely where they are in the table, all very average. Team leading scorer with three on the season is Imeda Ashordia. He is an attacker. Team's current form, they're a little bit on the uh, schneid, so to speak. 0-2-2 over the last four, which is a three-and-six goal differential. And now, Sabertulo, the Red Eagles, they do play out of the capital city of Tbilisi. Sabertalo is actually the name of one of the districts there. They've won the league title before, just once. That was in 2018. Uh, the next year, the 2019 and 20 season, they made it to the second qualifying round of the Champions League. Last year, they also got to play internationally in the Europa League, but they went out in the first round then. But a little bit more experience on their side. This is the better team. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, they are a meaningless match dream for their record. Six, five, and six. Not quite perfect on the GD. It should be zero, but in fact, their goal differential is two. 
And their stats are more or less identical to their opponents today. They do have a guy who's tied for second best scorer in the league with eight in Arakli Sikarola's <laughs> doggone it. I practiced that so many times last night. Irakli Sekarulidze. Yeah, you look it up and try it. <laughs> he plays striker form. European journeyman in this part of Europe. Best club he probably played for was a uh, pretty average one over in the Czech Republic. He spent a year over there with Slovako, which I like just because it's fun to say. Team's current form. Uh, they've lost three straight. And they're winless in their last five. And in fact, they've only scored one goal over all five of those matches. And now we come to the appropriately numbered match number 13, because as always, we will not finish on notes of happiness and joy celebrating quality teams, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth. You will want to gouge out your eyes in Oedipian fashion if you actually try to watch the match of... Disappointed! Oh, the Herculean scorn from Kevin Sorbo. So appropriate. And we are going back to Major League Soccer for just an... Uh, something that will be so terrible to witness. Number 14, Chicago Fire, last place in the East, taking on number 13, D.C. United. Hey, sorry y'all didn't get to uh, host any World Cup matches, D.C. You know, worry about your local team first, and maybe then you can spend a little bit more time thinking about, you know, hosting good teams. Uh, series between these two recently, pretty even. Uh, D.C. United have had a slight advantage with a 9-11-8 record. When they played earlier this season in D.C., though. Chicago actually managed to win 0-2. You can catch this one, and you'll get a Spanish-language broadcast on TUDN at 8 o'clock Eastern time. First, the putrid effervescence. Effervescence, close your nose as we try to talk about Chicago Fire. Uh, they actually, uh, like D.C. United, I think we're going to discover their uh, Halcyon days are well behind them. It's probably the nature of Halcyon days in general. Anyway, uh, they've they've won the one uh, they've won the league title once, 1998. They've also won the Supporters Shield, best record in the league overall. But that was in back in 2003. They've been to what is now called the Concacaf Champions League three different times. Uh, twice they've made the semifinals. More uh, recent of those was in 2004. Last year, they were almost as bad as they are right now. They finished in 12th place, obviously didn't make the playoffs. Uh, they must like going uh, golfing or whatever you do after the season is done in Chicago uh, because they've got the worst offense going this year. They're not even managing a goal per match. Uh, they do have a slightly above average defense, uh, but overall they're tied for the worst goal differential. That mediocre defense is not buoying them up. But I do want to, in fairness, point out begrudgingly one slight thing. Their goal differential is actually only negative seven. It's not that horrible. Now, that said, they've got a lot of teams to climb. It's very lucky for them that there's no uh, relegation. Uh, they do have at least one good player to look at. He's only 18 years old, but their goalkeeper has been in the news a lot. Uh, Gabriel Gaga Slonina. Uh, last year he uh, did some starting for this team and he was the youngest goalkeeper ever to get a start in major league soccer. Uh, he's got Polish heritage and they recently tried to call him up to the national team, but after a couple of days of thinking over, he declined them. He has done a little bit of repping for a couple of the uh, non-senior U S national teams, a couple of the youth sides. Uh, like a lot of goalkeepers, he rates as the worst contributor on the team statistically, but the source I use for that, I think, is a little geared against goalkeepers. The top, uh, the worst player they probably have is actually uh, John Duran. He is a Colombian striker, 18 years old. Just one goal, one assist. 
Uh, he's missed a couple of big chances already. And even when he's in open space trying to compete, you know, contribute something, he's just an awful dribbler. So I don't know why they've even got this guy. 18 years old, plenty of time to grow, but we make no excuses with the match of disappointed. It's not what we do here. Uh, as far as the team's current form, they have lost two in a row. No wins in their last 11. And this despite the fact, by the way, that they picked up in the offseason, uh, Zerdan Shakiri, Yugoslav-born European star, uh, reps for Switzerland internationally, or did. He's a winger with over 100 national team caps for them. He came over in a $7.5 million transfer fee scenario, biggest in team history. This is a guy who's played with Lyon, Liverpool, Milan, Bayern, and he has got to be thinking, what on earth was I thinking coming to Chicago? And now uh, doing only slightly better, DC United. Uh, they won the old uh, CONCACAF Champions League back in 1998. Most recent appearance was in 2015, not bad, and they made the quarterfinals, tied for the best they've ever done. They've won the league titles four different times, but the most recent was back in 2004. Four supporter shields. They've got more history than Chicago, but it's just about as far back because the most recent of those was in 2007. Last year, they had a mediocre season. Number eight just missed the playoffs. Uh, this year, their performances have been bad enough that they have already fired their coach and have an interim guy in charge. Uh, their statistics say it all. Uh, they've got a bottom four offense and defense for this conference. Uh, their best player might be uh, their assist guy, Julian Gressel, designated player from Germany, uh, plays defense and yet uh, leads them in assists. That tells you a lot. Uh, he was with Atlanta before he came over here. This guy was Rookie of the Year in 2017, but apparently that trophy didn't come full of a bunch of wisdom to maybe avoid a club that's been as bad as D.C. United has been in recent years. Uh, the worst position player they've got, though, that we're going to point our finger and waggle at him in sternness is Nigel Roberta from the Netherlands, plays center forward for them. Uh, he's only got one assist on the year, no goals. Now, I know he's playing behind a true striker, but you've got to contribute something by this part of the season. Uh, he came over from Levski Sofia over in Bulgaria. Yeah, okay. Uh, he's repped for the uh, under-17 level in the Netherlands, but that was as far as he went down that particular road. I believe he's actually eligible for to, rep to represent for Curaçao, uh, one of the Caribbean countries just south of the coast of South America, but he hasn't made any appearances for them yet. Uh, he's an okay passer, but to be perfectly honest, he's bringing nothing else to the table. Looking at his stats, he just seems woefully out of position. This formation is not working for him. Team's current form, they are winless in their last five with an atrocious 5-13 and 13 goal differential. Now, a lot of shows would end their show by wishing good luck uh, to the teams, perhaps in the very last mat you know, match they were talking about. But instead, with these two egg-sucking yahoos of teams, yeah, that could be a thing, we will shoot them away in our usual fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that'll put a wrap on episode number 88 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. I know 
Pearson Noobs, everybody's favorite. And I'm sorry we were a little light on her efforts uh, during the primary portion of recording. She was off with, uh, let's call her mom pro at somebody's baby shower at church. And that's okay. You got to have at least a little bit out of life outside of soccer podcasting. Those of us who don't have lives, thank you for listening, such as... Dan, my former website, Interno Inferno, for all of his creative efforts and inspirations. And of course, thank you as well to he who is known as the management for all his production and editing wizardry. Thank you again to you. We appreciate you tuning in. We hope you've had fun with uh, matches from all over the world and uh, more than a little bit of silly humor thrown in. Please, please feel free to pass our show along to your footy-minded friends. Till we can do it again in a few days. Have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.